What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Welcome back to the award-winning Top Charting, No Bad Dogs podcast with me, Tom Davis, your host. Hope you guys are well. Uh, first and foremost, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. This is a this is a dog owner with uh, an an incredible head start on training, and this is a, I absolutely love 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 clients like this. They are committed. They are educated. They are hungry for information. They want to do the best they can. This is a dog owner with a young Tavern uh, first dog owner. Obviously, uh, well, if you don't know, uh, basically like. Like a Belgian Malinois, Dutch Shepherd, long-haired, uh, herding dogs, uh, typically and historically from the Holland or Netherlands and Dutch region. And anyway, um, wonderful podcast, tons of information. She goes through everything from when to correct play that turns into not play, when to use the remote collar, how to introduce the remote collar to uh, some of my favorite um dog trainers to to take information from and learn from moving forward she's hungry for information she wants more um talk about so much on healing position and there's just a lot this is like that kind of like that blend it's not just one problem this is just somebody who wants to get better with a, a problem in the beginning that we kind of work through but this is this is great i know you guys are going to love it i'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions at the end of the podcast you guys as listeners, uh, I appreciate you. I love you dearly for listening and supporting my dreams of continuing to educate dog owners and helping them. Uh, if you guys have any questions, you can go over to the iTunes review chart and leave your review along with a question. I'll be happy to answer it next episode. Uh, if you're listening to this on Spotify, we do this absolutely for free and we appreciate you so much. And the only way that you can really support us via podcast is leave us a review. We really would appreciate it. And uh, yeah, so we're going to get into this podcast and I'm going to be answering the questions at the end. So make sure you listen to the whole thing. And uh, again, this kind of talks about e-collar training and stuff like that. And if you guys aren't aware, uh, there's there's petitions and bans potentially happening in Los Angeles or in uh, California and in New York. Uh, there's a link below if you guys want to sign the petition, if the e-collar has ever helped you and you want to support uh, trying to educate on that. Anyway, all right, you guys, let's get into the podcast. 
Um, so my dog is a 16-month-old, uh, so year-and-a-half Belgian Tervuren named Kita. She's spayed, so hormones aren't an issue in that regard. Um, she's not stubborn, very praise-motivated, food-motivated, highly sensitive. I can use corrections, but they have to be consistent, measured, and fair, which is typical Terv. Um, you can't yell at her. Um, loves to train, great confidence, and until now has been atypically gregarious for Tervuren. Um Loves people, loves other dogs. So what ha happened was <laughs> uh, we have gone to the dog park her whole life because I didn't know any better. I know better now, but it's too late. Now I have a behavior that I have to deal with. Um, two months ago, out of the blue to me, I'm sure not out of the blue for her, but like there was no preceding event. Um, she decided one day, if any other dog takes a toy from me, I'm going to. And then over the course of a month, that ramped up to if a dog is near me and I have a toy, I will. And then, oh, I like this dog who's playing and even with toys, but this dog over here, if I don't like your face, if you even sniff me and there's no toys involved, I will. And the I will is lunging, barking. Uh, if this is the other dog, she'll get right next to their face and go Rrr! and chase them across the park. There's no end point. There's no I win. Um, I have to physically remove her to stop it. Um, and so far she's never bitten down. So it is just sort of inappropriate communication is what I qualify it as. Uh, her recall is near perfect outside of that situation, um, except when herding sheep. And even then she stops and looks at me. When this happens, it's like she can't hear me. There's not even an ear flick in my direction. Um, the warning I get is spotty with the dog park most of the time, but not always there's body language and a growl, but like two days ago with her best buddy, Bravo, they're playing, they're having a great time, tug, tug. And then all of a sudden, rah, 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 um, seemingly no warning for my, for me. Playing tug uh, with an item. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, or sometimes if he has a toy, she'll go to take it from him. Um, and then it becomes tug, tug, and then she will go. Okay. How dare you? Um, it's not fear-based. I did bring in a local trainer to get eyes on to make sure I was reading that right. Um, and she agreed it's stay the hell away from me and my stuff, but I think it worked. And so now she has a hammer and everything's a nail. Mm -hmm. Um, and it might be immediate or it might be half an hour into a play session, but it has become every time we're with another dog, this happens now, eventually somewhere in the day. And so, that is the background for you. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. You're, you're. Help. You're able to articulate things really nicely. <laughs> Thank you. Makes my job a lot easier. Um, okay, so she is, I guess I'm, the only thing I'm missing, mm -hmm. mainly probably because I didn't catch it, was she's good until she's not with other dogs. And is what context is that in? Is that always around exterior items that they're playing with? Or is that just, yeah. if there's an so item... What? Yeah. Okay. And now, so, okay. So I, I, I might be doing this wrong, but I separated into two groups with stranger dogs and with her best friend dogs, um, with her best friends. I've only ever seen it with a toy. Um, and that's with no warning. Um, like they'll be playing and having a good time with strangers. Uh, I'd say, so it's sometimes she wants to play with other dogs and she's like, yeah, here, take the toy. We're playing tug. It's super fun. And sometimes she's like, absolutely not. I hate you. And about 90% of the time there's a toy involved, but 10% of the time a dog sniffs her, there's no toy near her, and then she does it. Okay. And that's part of my problem, right, is that it's like 
kind of all over the place from my perspective of when it happens. Well, I think it's clear. That's good. I think it's consistent and that's good. And it's good to separate it because that gives you it, it really, that's what I, that's my job is to figure out the different variables, like some sort of yeah. um, investigator. I'm like, okay, yeah. the only time this happens is here. And then the other time it happens is here. And that if it's consistent on that, consistent behavior is always easy, easier with dogs because you know for sure this is what that probably is. So if if she's I'll be honest, my true concern yeah. is when she's with her friends because like I'm not gonna go back to the dog park. Okay. I feel like I can mostly control when she's with stranger dogs with toys. It's when she's with her friends, like my brother dog sits her. She's gonna she's gonna be alone with Bravo. Yeah. And so I need to make sure that doesn't start a fight. Because well, he a big turf too. <laughs> yeah, I think um there's there's likely a threshold mm-hmm. that you should be looking for, be more mindful of. That mm-hmm. a lot of dogs will have start to develop thresholds as they mature. Of I will play for a certain amount of time until I am done, and or until I really am done. Uh, in this case. So if it's just with dogs that we know, including her BFFs, yeah. then it's probably just a threshold barrier where she's probably getting too much play and you have to step in and kind of advocate for that threshold and know when that threshold's about to happen. And I would just break the play up to a certain degree so that way the dogs can have their space. That would be, excuse me, my initial reaction to that. Because if you think about it, you've broken it already down. Like, no, she's good. She's good with these other dogs uh, until she's not. And so the, the, the only problem and the only variable and the only trigger is time. That's it. Yeah. That's the only the thing. changes. Like, like two days ago we were there and she was playing with him for half an hour and it was great. And yesterday we were there and, you know, had, I'm sure you actually know the body language for me. I call it spidey sense because I don't know what she's actually doing that makes me realize it's wrong. Um, right. But I just, oh, hell no. Like this is first second. <laughs> like, Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and the I'm, problem, the concern is if it's me watching her, this is totally fine. Like then we can talk more about thresholds and like making sure that I remove her. She's going to get babysat with this dog. Is there any way to like, I mean, I guess, is it an appropriate reaction, what she's doing? Is that... Well, it could be if she's... Is there a way to tell her, like, hey, stop being a bitch? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, yes to all of those things. I think it's appropriate okay. for dogs to 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 be like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm at my threshold. Like, get away from me. Yeah. I'm done playing. And yeah. some dogs will pick up on that very clearly, and other dogs won't. Some people will pick up. Like, Spidey Sense is a perfect way to say it because there's just been so many times where you just boop, boom, boop. Boom, 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 happens like clockwork. And and so, yes, it's appropriate. But again, like your job is to say, hey, she's got this threshold. So if it's an inconsistent threshold, then your job is to break down the play and the interactions small enough to where they're always successful. 10 minutes. All right. We know after 10 minutes, this is the, this is the, the build over. This is the, um, you know, whatever. So that's, so that's what I would start doing is, and you know, like with your brother's dog, 
it's very simple. It's like, hey, she's going to come over, and, and it could be an age thing for sure, like this, the, just this age thing at, at, at that certain, like she's 16 months old now, but this could have been happening, um, you, you know, whenever you first started noticing it, it could have been like, okay, this is where the change starts to happen, which is very common. Dogs just become more mature. They become more serious, which is why you're seeing some of this like resource guarding with dogs she doesn't know. But, you know, it's it could be this resource guarding with her personal space. And so it's appropriate absolutely for her to posture up and do – but the the thing is is she may not be as clear as some other dogs. So she her hackles might not go up. She may not growl. She might not show teeth. Uh, she might not give the other dog a fair opportunity to really pick up on the cues, which is – for some breeds, uh, it's very common. Like my St. Bernard, for an example, and I always talk about my dogs because from personal experience, it's easy. He couldn't really lift his lip because he had such big jowls, you know, mastiffs, dogs that like, so my point is, is there's certain breeds that have a, a natural inability to, to show very clearly, you know, what they're doing. She is wrong. subtle. Like that's part of my problem exactly. is I'm like, if you just be clear, I could pull you out. Right. <laughs> Right. So, so, so that would be what I would be doing is say, Hey, like she's now matured into this dog that has her thresholds and her boundaries. And she'd love to romp around and play like she normally does, but we're not going to let her do it all day. And we're not going to give them each other access to each other all day for that reason. And it's totally fair and totally normal to do to say like, Hey, she's not, she doesn't want to go play in the playground all day. She needs some personal space. She needs time to decompress. She needs her own space, which is totally normal. So that would be my, um, I guess that would be my answer to all of that. And like I said, I think you've already done such a great job at isolating the thing. You just have to get a little bit more deeper into that and just say like, Hey, how about we do this? Why don't we let them play for 10 minutes at a session throughout the day? Give them 10, you know, if it depends on what, you know, these dogs I don't know these dogs at all. So you'll be able to say like, oh no, they play for an hour and they're pretty good. So you might say, okay, let's do 20 minutes or let's do 15 minutes or whatever, but pick a time that you could be overly safe with where you can say, we're going to let them play for this amount of time. And it doesn't have to be exact clockwork. It can just be after 10 to 15 minutes, let's just pull them away to decompress and then we'll let them hang out again in the future. And I think that's, I mean, my, I'm in, I'm in my little, um, this just room and anyway i remember we were setting up this uh, we have this um love sack type couch type thing and my in-laws uh they have they have two dogs uh one's a like a husky and then my dog lakota love they love each other so anyway he was up here running back and forth like being crazy man like zoomies back and forth tagging her tagging her tagging her tagging her and she was so tired we just played chuck it with her it was hot and i and i read (laughs) It, it was my fault. I was reading the situation. I know she was going to get pissed at this. I just didn't do anything. I didn't remove him from the situation. I didn't remove I had her. That like three times at the park. I'm like, I fucking knew it. Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> then she just, yeah, no, she just grabbed him and pinned him to the ground and corrected him and said, quit the shit. I'm tired. And yeah. then that was it. But, um, but anyway, there's, there's just these thresholds that you have to look for. And I think I need to worry about the fact that she doesn't stop. Right. Yeah. It's a good worry to have. Cause that's, is that she just keeps going? Like, is there anything, I guess what I'm asking is, do I need to add a corrective element when she gets to that phase where she's like, rah, 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 or is it like, no, that's on me for not breaking it up? Both. 
Yeah. yeah. Just because it's your fault. I mean, that, yes, it's certainly <laughs> yeah. Just, just because it's your fault doesn't mean the other dog needs to be penalized for that. Cause that's ultimately what the correction will do. Cause she knows it's probably not good. The only, I think at that point when she's actually in action, the correction's only just going to save the other dog from getting pummeled, you know, cause she's already crossed that line. She's already in too deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in that case, another trainer I spoke to, um, sorry, I'm like collecting knowledge on this. So I've met with like three people, yeah. um, uh, is they recommended a belly band with an e-collar thing so that she wouldn't think they bit them. <laughs> That's super, uh, creative for sure. Um, I talk about that all the time. You know, I, I, people talk about like e-collar placement all the time and historically obvious it's on the neck. And I talk about people put them on legs and ribs and, um, I, it depends on how you're using their, it, it, there's so many variables for me anyway, in my yeah. style of training and my experience with the remote collar is, um, it depends on the perception of the e-collar for the dog. It depends on what e-collar you're using. It depends on what levels you're using that e-collar on. It also just d depends on the dog's, um, again, education on the remote collar and what it's supposed to be meaning and, or if you're using it as some sort of random association or you're using it for obedience because, I mean, there's like five different variables that all would, would, would sway heavily on that. Um, but if you were to put a e-collar on a dog and then correct them, um, dogs, and this is just, you know, my opinion again, is if you're correcting the dog on stimulation on a belly band, how the hell is the dog going to know the difference between, oh, this is my neck and then this is my belly. So, th so the dog's not going to have the perception of, oh, uh, if it's, um, if I'm getting, if I'm getting corrected on my belly, it can't be this dog. Well, of course it can. Dogs can attack you and bite you at any point in your body. So for me, that's just, that's, that's, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so yeah, because really what you're looking at is you're looking at the dog actually causing physical harm to the other dog and they're not necessarily looking at where the teeth are. They're going to feel some sort yeah. of aversion and they're going to say this dog is biting me if that's the, and again, I'm just breaking down the yeah. logic behind that. And to me, that's not logical for that reason. So yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So my thoughts so far then are, or rather to reiterate back at you are, let them play for, you know, small sessions throughout the day based on what I think the timing is overly safe and appropriate. Um, should I be starting to extend that over time or is that like, and see if her barrier kind of like, well, you just oh, have, like, yeah, that's a good question. I, I, you could, but again, like, I think at the end of the day, you have to look at ultimate, like what your objective is, because if it, if it's just to look for convenience, then, you know, you might, but if, if it's just like, you have to look at, and I say this, um, with, educational purposes of course uh there's a lot of selfishness that we do as dog owners to try to solve oh, yeah, no, it's always me it's all my fault like yeah. i know this <laughs> yeah there's a lot of like selfish um, <laughs> selfish like uh, endeavors that we have for things like this because really at the end of the day it's like if she is if she is reacting to a point of correcting another dog without stopping she hates what mm -hmm. she's doing anyway so the only reason why we would actually continue to put her into that situation is to make our, our own self happy so uh, that's yeah. something to consider too moving down the road is if she's constantly getting to the end of her rope during this time of you trying to figure out what's best for her, what's lo what's logical for her, what's what's beneficial for her, what she wants to do, what she likes to do. You're spending all this time and money and efforts and, and attention into trying to figure all these things out. And at the end of the day, this is something that should be absolutely optional for dogs. Playtime in that environment is absolutely optional. There's socialization, which is highly misunderstood. 
um, which mm-hmm. is being neutral around other dogs, being around other dogs, being on the property with other dogs is all the social na- socialization dogs actually need for the most part, for the most part, right? But you have a, you know, a high class working dog that would probably love to just work and play with you. And we have, we have friends all, all the time, but you know, same thing with my working dog, Dutch Shepherd, pretty much the same dog under the, um, you know, what they're supposed to be doing and their capacities for work and their engagement with, with, with their jobs. She's the same way. Like she'll play with a dog that she knows and she likes after maturity for about 10, 15 minutes. And then she's like, I'm done with this. This doesn't give me any joy anymore. I want to work. I want to ball. I want to chuck it. I want to Frisbee. I want to chase. I want to herd. And so for me, like it makes total sense if, if, and, and I just told you that story about the Husky up here. And it's like that often, like if she's playing with the dog for more than 10 minutes, I'm pulling her away anyway, because I know she's just about done because she doesn't have much more in her than that. She's, this isn't, she's just a short tethered fused dog. Um, I think for the breed, I think it's just such a change that it surprised me. Like she would play for hours. Well, it's a change. It's a change because the dog isn't (laughs) a puppy anymore. Okay. Yeah. So it's, I should tell you, this is my first dog. So for text on what's going on with me reading my dog no no it's great you you've you're doing it all right that's that's I, yeah you're you're doing it all right you're doing everything you need to do um but again like that that happens often with our conversations with dog owners is we hear this all of a sudden um we hear this it's a change it's it, it kind of scares and off puts people and it makes them a bit disheartening to like oh you love this dog i don't understand and it's very simple it's the dog is um well, yeah matured and it's just, I want to make sure it's actually not that I like, I'm going to force her to play with this dog. It's that in order for it is it, in order for us both to live, these are my only dog sitters and they're not going to be as conscientious as I am, right. <laughs> um, well, you, but they probably yeah. would do this intermittent playtime. I'm sure they would do. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty simple. That's my concern is it's like, she's not going to be in my hands <laughs> for like a week. Yeah. Yeah, but that's I, you know, it's, it's, it's totally uh, a fair thing to be concerned, to be mindful of to be um yeah i i think that that's totally normal regardless listen even if your dog was like never had any of these things you're still going to be just as thoughtful of like oh it's not me though so it's inevitable you know it's going to happen you're going to be worried about your dog regardless you know because you love your dog and you care so that's i've noticed that's a constant state now (laughs) this is just yeah my dog do yeah um okay so i'm sorry so intermittent breaking up the play over time. And then, um, and I actually have a whole page of e-questions, e-collar questions mm-hmm. for you coming up. Um, but then possibly adding a corrective element for when she gets into the rah, rah, rah set. Yeah, yeah. And that's where, um, of Which, course. And the correction, the correction I'm assuming would be for not responding to my recall. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's the fairest thing to do. Um, but, but... If you were to ask me, is it also just a flat out corrector for going after another dog? Then yes. If it's not, if it's not controlled, my friend has a dog uh, who has Mal. He's raised Malinois and trained Malinois his whole life, and he's get some. He gets some pretty big Malinois from like some French lines, and he he says it all the time that he has certain dogs that he just doesn't trust to correct puppies because of their their control of their power, and. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so at that point, then yes, the answer is yes. You would be able to correct the dog just completely out of context for doing something that's deadly or something that could obviously cause uh, the other dog or themselves um, physical uh, detrimental health problems or, or concerns or whatever. Um, so, yeah, 
so yes, but but ultimately, I mean, the first line of defense is always to counter uh, with the dogs, you know, obedience to to get them out of the situation to hopefully help them make a better decision or to just you know understand that your dog may be going through this mature state that she doesn't really care to play like she used to, and you're trying to figure out what she likes now. And if she overreacts or she gets out of line, then you just correcting her verbally and then enforcing it with a remote collar is 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 a very simple and, and effective and fair way to, to work on this. Awesome. <laughs> um, oh, so in terms of what a reasonable boundary is to make sure I'm not over parenting here, uh, my line personally is when she starts doing that. Sorry, this is the only hand motion I know for it where she's like here and going, rah, rah, rah. um, should I be presumably, at least when she gives me a warning, doing a leave it or something when she growls and locks yeah. on and all that? Yeah. Um, there's like, I don't want her to not be able to communicate. Yeah. I think it's discretionary on you really. It's about parenting in general. Like what is, if, what is, what do you, what's cool with you? And it also depends on the context of what these dogs are in, because I'll give you a couple of different scenarios. Like a dog that is growling is communicating. I think that that's, I mean, if you have a dog that is growling at another dog who doesn't understand that growling is bad, that's where the correct, ah, 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 leave it, you know, and then you'd run over and kind of, you know, help the other dog out before they get nailed. Um, that's what I would do with like puppies, like raising puppies in my house over the years. Uh, since I was two years old, that's what we've always done is if the puppy kind of takes that and understands that, then that's okay. And if, and it also depends on the dog that's distributing the correction. I used to have an older dog, Lola, who passed away last this year at 18. And she was like the absolute, I would let her correct any puppy because she was so fair about it. I never had to worry about you know, bleeding and, well, I shouldn't say that. I never had to worry about really bad, um, corrections. You know, she was just really fair with it. Might bloody a lip up one or once or twice, but the dog just tucks their tail, cries, runs away. And then they learn growling and teeth showing is, is stay away. This is a rattlesnake and they will bite. It's the best way to teach just kind of letting the natural abilities of dogs correcting each other's spaces because you know what? I'm not always going to be around. And if I'm not around and I'm not letting these things play out, then that could be dangerous as the dog that is getting corrected gets older and then there's more of a competitive uh, energy or, or tension between them. So just understanding that some dogs have a different like I want to say threshold or boundary of where, how far they'll go, how serious they take it, how strong they are, how big they are. Um, so there's that, but then there's the, also the other dog. And then there's the other person that this dog is doing that too, because I find typically every dog owner that ever hears a dog, correct another dog, um, immediately goes into panic mode and immediately goes into, a, you know, like my dog was just killed and attacked and what happens next. And some, well, and that's part of the problem. We have, I have a Belgian, she has scary Belgian face, so mm -hmm. I have to take it a little more seriously. Um, yeah. Right. And so th th that, that, that's, that's, you know, everything that we talk about it. Okay. So one incident that could happen for mm -hmm. another dog and their owner could be the biggest thing that's ever happened to them. But, if it happened to somebody else, it would be the, the oh yeah, no, that happens all the time because of their understanding of, of dog behavior, because their understanding of what just happened. 
and their education and exposure to these things because a dog being corrected by another dog to professionals is literally like the sky is blue. There's no, the, it, it happens every day. It's part of it. If we can intervene, of course we will. Sometimes a mistake happens, shit happens, you know? And then there's other people who've never seen a correction, never heard a correction, don't know what it is, and they will rush their dog to the vet over being corrected. Um, when literally there's nothing wrong, there's a, the, the dog spits a piece of hair out and that's it. It was just like, hey, this is mine, not yours. You need to stay away. So I think it depends on how serious your dog is taking it. Uh, of course, it also just depends on socially, like knowing where you're at. I know you're not going to go to the dog park, but you know if you tell your brother, like, hey, you know, we, we need to let them figure it out. It, it just it just depends. Um, we need to let them figure it out. And he's saying that I'm overreacting. So <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, well, my other part to that is, it's just that you don't want things to escalate to like, yeah, if your dog well, is over the course of one month is where it went from like very little to like a lot. And I'm worried it's going to go further if I keep letting it. Yeah. If, go. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you just, cause yeah, you, I mean, yeah, you can intervene. There's always advocation for intervention, of course, like my, you know, it's just siblings type stuff. You know, my brother used to take things too far with me all the time. And I wish my parents were home sometimes, <laughs> you know, you know, getting in a, getting in a headlock for longer than I would have liked, but you know what I mean? Just like stuff like that. If two dogs are playing around in rough housing and then your dog gets, um, overreactive or your dog just has enough. And, um, again, it just depends like, and I know that your brother's dog isn't small, but if this was a little Jack Russell Terrier or something, it'd be a just different story. So again, I think inter enter French bulldog at the park. And I thought the owner was going to cry. Right. <laughs> right exactly. That was the last time we went to the dog park. That was it. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, to some people, like some people you'd be like, yeah, thank you. You know, I, my dog needed that. He's kind of a jerk sometimes, you know, or, you know, sometimes it's like, oh my God, what happened? Um, it's this whole thing, which I totally respect. Yeah. And I, I give a lot of empathy for people, during, and that's like the big difference between a dog lover and a dog lover and also a professional. Because once you see these, it's like being an ER nurse, like nothing scares you anymore because you've seen it all the way through and you know, like, yep, this is just protocol in some situations. So is there anything on YouTube or that you know of where I can go like watch normal dog reactions? <laughs> yeah, I have a, I, so my fear of what I've seen. There's a video I have on my YouTube channel. I, can't remember exactly what it's called, but I know it's a German Shepherd video. And I go out with this nervous German Shepherd in a daycare setting with like three other, three or three, two or three other dogs. And I try to find it for you. And um, it, it's like one of my more popular videos because people are like, oh my gosh, like this is, this is amazing. Um, it, it, it gives people an opportunity to, see like how dogs interact and how I'm reading the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, so let me see if I can find you the name of it because it's a really good video, but no, um, other than that, um, dog reaction. Um, I don't have anything that kind of comes to my head, but I would say, geez, come on. Um, all the reaction videos I've seen are like, the bad ones where they're like way worse. And I'm like, no, no, I need to normalize. <laughs> I need to know what's good. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Um, let me see if I can find, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have it. I have, I actually okay. just did one, um, with a smaller dog, uh, with our, our 
one of our staff dogs and it just kind of went over like teeth curling and lunging and this dog ended up like correcting or, or at least like fearfully saying hey get away from me um and we were like okay that's it that's the threshold and the owner was like she was really having a hard time with like but how do i make him how do i make her like like this dog i'm like you can't she doesn't like this dog there's nothing you can do um here we- I, mean, I, I know that i'm struggling with that too where i'm like how do i make her like be nice to everybody for as long as i need her to be nice mm-hmm. for okay so if you go to my youtube channel it's called reactive german reactive german shepherd thrown into a pack of dogs and it's it's um a malinois a german shepherd um a board and train and i think one more and it um yeah i i kind of just go over like what happens what's happening people love that thing um yeah. Yeah, you can check that out. It'll be it kind of goes over play. Uh it goes over uh dog interactions with one another. It goes over like when to intervene, when to let them just be dogs and um yeah, so it's four different dogs all playing and figuring each other out. Anyway, you can check that out. Awesome. It was uploaded a couple years ago. So Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. But other than that, like it's you know, I try to just I work so hard. I don't have much time to see what else is going on out there so at least enough to 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 validate to you know you to say go check out i don't know no that's super fair um okay uh then my next questions are related but now we're starting to get to my other like things um so because we're not going to the dog park i am working towards off-leash training Mm -hmm. um so First question is then, how do you deal with dogs off leash? Because now I've taught her other dogs are fun. Go play, go meet them, go do. Do you recall when you see another dog? Like there's some hikes we do that have a ton of dogs. Like should I just let her go sniff, say hey? Well, my answer with any dog is no. Just because if that other dog is dealing with aggression or reactivity or whatever, I would say no, because that's always just like flipping the coin. That's what I always tell people. Like why, what is the ROI in flipping that coin for you guys other than being selfishly like, oh, that was great experience for four seconds and then let's move on. And then if it doesn't do good, good, then you have a dog fight and a lawsuit and a vet bill with a stranger for no reason. So, um, so my answer, yeah. Train them to avoid then. Like, cause without... Would I just have to recall her every yeah. time, put her in heel? No, no, no. Okay. I, I, I just think like with the e-collar work, especially the e-collar work that we do, we kind of set these like, these like, hey, 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 stay with me, you know? And then, I mean, it doesn't take long to get past these other dogs off leash. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's my, that's my answer is, uh, just trying, trying the best you can to just, hey, come on over here, like leave it, like recall, it would be recall and then. Um, just kind of like, yeah, being, being fair to the other dogs. Cause I'm sure that you would hate that if that happened to you, if another off leash dog came up, cause you just don't know it's, it's not worth it. Oh, for sure. Okay. I'm, I, yeah, I just, I guess I wasn't sure, but it rec- uh, how to do it. So recall, just recall, 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 and then let her go again. Yeah. I, th- I think that if you're, if your dog is is off leash and you're enjoying the off leash life, which is totally cool. And your dog is interested in another dog. I would, I wouldn't let them just go up and, and 
meet because again like you're you're flipping a coin on that meeting and you're like hey is this going to be good or not and you know you got to be general careful social question <laughs> what do you say when people come up to you and they're like they're shouting across the field they're like my dog's friendly i typically you know not not to try to put myself in those situations ever i mean my comedic uh you know answer if i was doing like tv or something you'd be like well mine's not like it's just such a yeah. cliche thing to say but uh, to be honest with you i just don't get into situations where there's going to be off-leash dogs out of control i um i read the i read the places that i go really well i make sure there's enough room for us to be successful uh i have different protocols uh to make the situation successful if it does have to happen easily putting my dog into a sit stay and then going and getting the dog um, that's coming after us or that's approaching us, even though they're friendly to, to not go near us. So again, but I also don't go to a bunch of situations where we're meeting a bunch of dogs. I go a lot of places with my dogs, um, trails, hikes, fields, and I just never have a problem because I have so much control. If I see a dog, my dog is in between my legs immediately, you know, okay. and it's just, it's just never a problem because I'm just, I have so much manual control with my dog because of the amount of remote collar work that I've done with her off leash. She's like a trained computer. She's not, but she is. I mean, not all dogs yeah. are perfect and she makes mistakes every day, but uh, I would never let her off leash if I didn't have the, the responsible control that I do because I can control all of aspects, you know? Okay. Um, how do you know at what point I think you said this in a recent video, which is why I have the question because I don't remember what you said, mm -hmm. um, which is at what point in the off-leash training are you like, great, we can go for a hike now. You're not, I'm not going to lose you forever. With your dog? Yeah. It's a lot of proofing. So it's testing, it's testing, testing, testing. I think that that's the, the, the biggest answer is when you're out with your dog and you want them completely off-leash, the off-leash is the end goal. So testing, testing every uh, every day you can with a long line just to make sure that you're a hundred percent. But my, my real, <laughs> yeah, my real answer is, is making sure that you've proofed the remote collar stimulation and the dog knows how to shut it off. That's like the biggest thing in the key and the, in the, the secret to having a dog, um, sustainably off leash responsibly is when your dog, for whatever reason, doesn't listen to the command that they know well that you've worked on for months and the pressure of the remote collar goes up because that's the only thing in the world that can hold your dog actually accountable off leash that keeps them alive and keeps them safe. They know that as that pressure goes up from five to six to seven to eight or whatever, they know where it's coming from and how to shut it off. And they make that decision to go, yep, I'm, I'm good. And they come back. So your correction overpowers the actual uh, stimulation and it over, it overrides the the reward if they're chasing a squirrel rabbit deer uh if they're getting interested in another dog that sensation intensifies so it's overpowering and overriding the actual uh innate like primal hey there's another dog or a squirrel or whatever and that's how you keep dogs alive and then they come yeah. back and whatever they just went after because that's the highest level of distraction won't happen again for the rest of the walk and you let them out back out that's it okay um for the e-collar, so we've never used an e-collar before. I actually ordered yours because it looked like nice and simple. I like the buttons. Um, so it's coming in a couple days. Um, 
how do you use it with multiple commands? Like I, so I, I want it to mean that like recall, she can't hear me anymore. She is focused on something else. My voice means nothing. Mm-hmm. And so if I hit it, she'll recall. Can I also use it to clean up her other commands? Just, yeah. Yeah, the the e-caller allows you to apply once it's see that's the thing about the remote caller is it sounds like you have a good under a lot of people have no idea what it is a lot of people have no idea how to use it they just think like if the dog doesn't listen we zap them and that's like oh, that's, well, I fell down a rabbit hole of researching this yeah but I still yeah doing. <laughs> yeah and it's good like once you and I I tell people to do that like if you if you really want to know dogs and you really want to get better at training and you really want to use the most modern thing that you can like to try using a computer on a dog like that's the best you can get your timing's good or, per, or yeah. as near as perfect as you can get and the negative reinforcement positive uh, reward system is like it's unmatched you know it's it's a beautiful thing it's it's an unfortunate you know well it's got its pluses of like where we're going with it because i think it's getting really good uh usage yeah. anyway so you can um pretty much once you've done the things that you've done and you really conceptualize what it is and how it works with basic negative reinforcement and the dog understanding the behaviors you're asking, as well as understanding where the remote collar is coming from and how to shut it off, which are two of the same. Uh, you could do it with anything, sit down, place, heel, stay that pressure. means it's you're, you're literally replacing e-collar, um, or I'm sorry, uh, regular leash pressure with e-collar pressure. That's it. So, but so my question, I guess, I understand how leash pressure works when she can hear me. So like it's the same tool for each command and it's not a problem. But if she's like, can't hear me and I turn up the pressure, will she know like, oh, I've got to pay attention now. Is that how it works? And she comes back. Yeah, that's a good question. It depends on how the e-collar was introduced. Oftentimes the remote collar is introduced with, um, like I did this video on my Instagram and and other places where I use the e-collar as a recall tool so i did three verbal recalls with low level stimulation the dog knows recalled the dog knows the e-collar so i let the dog out fido come good fido come good fido come good and then on the fourth um recall i just did a non-verbal so the e-collar turned on the dog responded because they were conditioned i shut it off so if your dog is introduced to the remote collar that way then the answer is yes um but um, you, you gotta, you gotta, again, you gotta really like look at the question of what you're asking. Is if my dog is off leash and they can't hear me and they're doing something maybe they shouldn't, and I would say that your dog may be doing something they shouldn't because you can't see them and they can't hear you, so they're far enough away where they're like out yeah. of reach. Well, it's also when I say can't hear me, I mean like sometimes she gets home. Oh yeah. In on so it's oh. not even that she's that far away. It's like she can't hear oh, me. See. She has blocked out the world. I see. Yeah, that that's where the stimulation goes up. It's very common practice, uh, and if you think about it, it makes absolutely like crystal clear sense because once your dog's adrenaline and your dog's state of mind completely shifts into this predatorial, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing here on earth and I'm euphoric and I'm chasing this squirrel, <laughs> they can't hear anything, they can't feel anything, and that's, that's, that is why we use the remote collar is because it gives you that ability to snap them out of things when they get into that state of mind because letting your dog completely off leash is really being naive to what they really are as animals because if there's something furry and squeaky that runs by them, you better 
have some e-collar training done because there's a good chance you're not getting your dog back. You're flipping the coin. They're either going to get hit by a car, they're going to get lost, they're going to get stolen, they're going to get eaten, they're going to get attacked. Um, and, you know, there is the, I'm not being you know, devil's advocate. Of course, yeah, at some point, maybe they'll just come back naturally. It happened to me all the time when I was growing up. My dogs would be like, hey, where's my dog? And they come back, you know, a day later or whatever. Um, but, but again, I don't like, want to live through that 24 hours. I don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, so anyway, so yeah, that, that's where the e-collar pressure just immediately goes up for sure. It's like, but it's a different picture too. So I want you to understand that, that dog owners sometimes get caught up in that where they're like, Oh, my conditioning level is a six and we didn't respond to a 10 and understanding that it's, it's also a different environment in the different context that your dog is in. So teaching people how to speak like you and I are right now at a dull roar, if you will, uh, and then going to a Metallica concert is going to be completely two different environments. And so our environments will change the way that in the tone and the, in the volume and the number of our talking and our volume goes up. So it's the same exact thing as, as the environments change, we will have to change. It's something we do every single day of our life. Um, we change the environment around us predicated off of what we need to feel. Um, rather we're turning our earphones up because we can't, there's too much going around us or whatever the case may be. Um, so yeah, so that's a very simple, like quick. So introduce it with the, as a recall and then use it to clean up other commands if I want to. Well, it's, it's, it's understanding recall only. No, no, no. It's understanding the principles of how to shut it off. That's all. Okay. Yeah. So once the dog, um, understands how to shut the pressure off and knows where it's coming from, then you can use it for anything. And typically what we do to do that is we do a lot of conditioning on sending the dog away to a place and then also recalling the dog. So we're going to put the put the e-collar at a low enough level where it's conditioning, not corrective at all, not aversive, not conflicting. The dog feels the remote collar pressure, and you're pairing it in with a place, which the dog has done 100 times. You get a piece of food out. You say, Fido place. You hold the e-collar at that level. The dog goes to the place. Boom, it shuts off. Once you do that long enough where the dog understands, like, oh, this thing on my neck is you. This sensation is you. You go, yeah, buddy. You unclick the leash, and they're off to the races. That way, when you say, Fido come, and you use your five or six, and they flip you off you can go up to a 12 and they go okay i'm coming back and then you're still really 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 low a 12 is at the level where humans usually start to feel it on their face so it's still ridiculously low but it gives you that it gives you that reach safely like if you love your dog that's like one of the training things you need to open yourself up to so (laughs) that's um yeah so really what it is is once the dog understands the pressure then you can pair it with sit, you can pair it with down, um, and you could get really competitive with it too. Like some of my competitive obedience friends will use it for the dog looking away, the dog's head positioning not being good, the dog's body positioning not being good. It's really like a fine tooth comb yeah. that you go in and and, and and you can do all of this with not use not touching the leash. It's just literally replacing the leash. It's exactly the technology that we did when we used to pick up the phone on the wall with that cord. And and now oh, we're yeah. now we're all wireless, like you and I are talking right now on Skype, completely wireless in two different parts of the world, and um, it's literally the same thing. It's just the learning curve is overwhelming, and uh, it's 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 too much for some people. That's why they shelf it and say that it's just it's it's not actually this. And people who use it and utilize it and really take time to understand how dogs communicate with it, you know, find the best benefit. So, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so 
quick question because I don't want to use up all our time on the e-collar, but um, I saw that you have a course on the e-collar. Does that cover how to introduce it? That's and- all it is. Yeah. It's, okay. um, we made, we, you know, I have my own remote collar. I've been talking about e-collars now for a long time and I give a lot of people like yourself all this advice. And I, you know, I, I, to be honest, I just like, I, I've done it so much from start to finish hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And I'm like, I'm just, so we spent two days filming this course and it's like, if you want to know how to introduce it, you want to know everything about it. It's 12 hours of footage crammed into a two hour video. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. I just want to make sure it broke it down. Like how yeah. to introduce it and all that. Yeah, we take a dog that's not trained on it. I want it. her to like it. I want it to be exciting for her. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what it is. It, it, we take a dog, Gussie. Um, she's a, a German Shepherd, less than a year old. She's never used the e-collar, and we train her on it fully off-leash. So. Um, oh, uh, do, well, okay, let me just ask. Does it cover the timing of the word versus the button? Because if not, I have a question on that now. But yeah, it covers it. Yeah, it goes. I mean, it really is just the same time. So it's place the e right yeah. right when you say place the e collar turns on. It's it's literally like in tandem with one another. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why I thought come first, but that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, because a lot. Well, there's some companies that will use it as a correction. You know, so they'll use sit, and if the dog doesn't sit, they use a corrective level. And and I'm not in a position to say that's wrong, right, or indifferent. It's just different from how I use it. I use it as a very communicative conditioning way that the e collar means me, and it e- means food, and it means fun, and it means we're going outside and we're working, and that's the way I do it. Like my when the e collar comes out for my clients, they go crazy. They're like, oh yeah, this is this is yeah. gonna be fun. Which is what I'm hoping to do. Yeah, it's what um, it should be. Okay, now I just have a random assortment of general training questions. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Uh, for her heel. Yes. So my dog has no in between. Um, she is either in a heel and under command, or she is ice skating, pulling mm-hmm. towards something exciting. Um, so my question is, how long can I reasonably expect her to hold a heel before I'm being a jerk and being mean? Like, what is? Because I see these dogs who are just holding a heel for like a whole walk. Is that because they're under command or just that's what they're cool with? And my dog's never going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think um, my answer is some dogs naturally will just walk in a heel because they just could care less about pulling or they don't have enough energy to. Like my St. Bernard was that dog. He would just do 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 Just like, you know, enjoying life with you, whatever, which was nice. That's why it's nice, but, to, like for me. But it's I, not my life. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But it's not, you know, my Dutch Shepherd's life either. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, so so there's, you know, the, putting the dog into a heel. I think that there's um, good way to put it would be. Let me just think. A uh, good way to put it would probably be a dog's um, innate, like, hey, I'm like your dog's level. Like I'm in front of you. I want to work. I'm I'm constantly like at one speed. Like always, always, always going, going, going. Like redlining. Um, and so your dog's likely never just going to naturally put it into a slow motion gear. So for you guys, it would be healing and breaking. Um, there are different variables of the heel though. Some people will work on a very focused competitive heel and it's not realistic. Um, but other people are just like, Hey, I just want my dog to walk nicely. And so I think if your dog is trained, like again, uh, the e-collar is a great way to, have that lifestyle. Like I can put my dog into a competitive heel or a normal heel completely off leash downtown Manhattan and walk into a heel and then say break. And she'll just go try to find a ball to give to somebody and I can heal her back. So the control is nice. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. So that way you don't have to work on this like, um, 
crazy, like constantly being pulled, like you said, like binary, like one direction or the other, like we're either walking perfectly or we're dragging me. But like that drag is typically if your dog is trained enough, depending on the environment that you're in, typically I just let my dog off leash and I say break. And then they can, like, if I go a rack, a walk around my uh, neighborhood, that's I'll wear a leash like around me just in case I see another dog and I want to be respectful because I'm not going to take the time to say, Hey, I know you see my dog off leash. Don't worry. They're trained. I'm not being a disrespectful neighbor and letting my dog do whatever they want. That's, you know, if I see another person, even though my dog will down in three different languages in front of that dog and let them pass, I am not that guy. I'm like, Oh, come. I heal. I put her on a leash. I let them go and I let her off again. So, so anyway, so that's like the way that I do it. Just giving you an example. Our dogs are likely yeah. the same. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's one of the reasons I wanted this was, I was like, he's got a Dutch shepherd. We're going to be on the same page. Yeah. I mean, the only time that she's laying down is when she knows it's bedtime and she's like, okay, done for the day. Can't wait for tomorrow. And when she's, I've ran her with the chuck it and she's catching her breath for another run. So that's it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, Let's see. I'm going to guess your answer is this is just practice because it's just obedience, but she has a lot of trouble walking behind other dogs. She yanks till she's in the lead, even if she's in a heel. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's just further obedience training, but I just need to work on it. Yeah. yeah it's just a separate level. It's like, um, you know, the first level is introducing leash pressure and they don't understand it yet. And then there's going to be a level where you're healing with elephants in front of us and that's it. This yeah. is your life. Like you got to heal. <laughs> And that's just obedience. And by definition, that's what obedience is. It doesn't matter if it's dogs, religion, um, whatever. It's just like, this is how much obedience do you have? And you got to make sure that you're not putting your dog into an unrealistic, unfair, obedient, like, um, environment. And, and then also if you do, that's okay, but don't, don't beat yourself up over like that because your dog just may be not at that level yet. That's all. Okay. Um, uh, so this doesn't come up often, but it might, my street is getting busier with walkers as time goes on. Um, mm -hmm. How would you teach a stop bark command? I want her to be able to like alert, but mm -hmm. I don't want her to like get stuck on a loop. <laughs> how would you teach it? Uh, well, you would teach it how you, how you would discourage anything else. Um, okay. um, I, I want to say operant conditioning, you know, like very clearly, this is good. This is bad. Yeah. And my answer is clear like that because you're, <clears throat> excuse me, you're dealing with a very, again, I've said this a lot in this conversation, but a very primal alert, like I'm a dog, I see a person, I see another yeah. dog, I'm going to let everyone know that I'm here and I'm going to let mom know that they're here. And mm -hmm. that to me is normal. It's natural. Oh, yeah. I'm not trying to like stop her from talking at all. It's just... You know, there's odd moments where like, okay, I'm in a Zoom meeting. I need you to stop real yeah. quick. <laughs> yeah. So once the dog develops this voice for being uh, suspicious of everything that walks by, then you would have your, like your relationship with the dog is going to help answer that question. Because I talk about this often and sometimes it gets overlooked and it's more important than anything else in dog training is... If you can look at your dog and say, hey, knock it off, and they're like, ooh, I'm in trouble, and I'm, I'm a little bit of afraid of getting into trouble with you because you've enforced things before, which means I care about what you say, then sometimes that's like that's how you would do it with just that verbal like leave it. So again, 
if some people, you can ask yourself this question because you have friends and family that have dogs. Some people can look and look at their dog and, and say, Hey, knock it off or Hey, leave it. And you'll ask yourself, like, if I were to ask you, like, will your dog actually care that you said that or not? And some people will say, probably not. Like the answer is no. Yeah. You're, you're going to say, Hey, leave it to your dog. And they're going to bark at you instead of like, stop barking. And that's your relationship because your dog just doesn't care. Like voice inflection plays a really big role with dogs naturally. Good. Yay. Happy, like excited. This means something. And then, Hey, leave it. That is like a very punishing, uh, aversive. We try not to use those tones just because she, she does respond, but then she holds onto it for days. Like she won't eat her dinner. Like it's (laughs) right. So, so then my my command tones are all very high pitch. It's very like, yeah. Kita. Yeah, Line yeah, up. Yeah. yeah leave it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, baby. She's looking at me. <laughs> Those are so, the so I think like, so if that's the case, you know, I, I'm just saying like as a general answer, I think that oftentimes, even if you don't have good obedience and your dog is doing something they shouldn't and you just holler at them and like, that'll tell you, like, I don't want your dog to tail tuck and, and cry and run in the other room, but I want them to stop what they're doing and think about it for a second and then you would just pair that with like the verbal of leave it, no, no bark, like whatever. Uh, and then of course, like once they stop barking, yes, good, no bark or good, leave it or whatever. But if your dog is sensitive where if you feel like you came down on her like that, then I would just replace it with like the leash and that's it. I mean, you, you so again, my answer is, is your dog is naturally barking. You didn't teach your dog how to bark at these things. Your dog sees this picture, sees the environment and reacts like a kitten wagging his tail, ready to pounce on a young mouse or whatever. Like they, not, nobody, yeah. nobody taught these things how to do it. It's, it's instinctual. It's primal. It's intuitive to them. That's what they do. So my point is, is if you didn't teach your dog how to do it, you're going to, you're going to have to discourage it somehow to tell them like, Hey, enough is enough. Um, Will it be confusing to her that some, well, I guess if I give it its own word, because then I'd be correcting the not responding to leave it, not the barking. I don't want her to be confused about why sometimes I tell her not to bark and sometimes she's allowed to. Well, I think it's it's a good, because you think like that and I like it, but it's, it's really about your ability to say, okay, now you're not barking. So it's okay. the same thing as recall. You let your dog off leash that, you know, that's the same. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's the same exact thing. That doesn't mean your dog can't ever go off leash just because you recall. That means when you say, I need you back here, that's what that means. So when your dog is barking and you say, leave it, it's like, I don't want you to never not bark. I just, when when you're barking now, we're stopping. So when you're off leash or whatever, I mean, you can apply that to literally everything with your dog. And that's what, that's what, in my opinion, like that's the best relationship to have. You're not, we're not building robots. As far as pet owners go, all we're doing is we're finding very clear lines through boundary, love, and, and, and all of the proper training of like, this is okay. This is not okay. And sometimes this is going to be okay. Even though I said, it's not now, but in the future, it doesn't matter. Everything comes down to me because I have thumbs and I pay the bills and I'm a human and I'm going to keep you alive. And I love you. It's just like with, with parenting, right? Sometimes you're allowed to yell and scream and sometimes you're not. And at the end of the day, dogs don't have the ability to conceptualize like indoor, you know, Oh, this is recess. You can play at recess. You can yell at recess. You can scream. And then indoors when we're learning social studies, you can't like, you just need, the dogs are going to listen to what you say. They're very like in in the, in the moment. And so when you say, Hey, knock it off, they need to go. Okay. You said so I'm done. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. 
Oh, thank you. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and final two minute question. Sure. <laughs> so this has now become my hobby. She's my hobby. Dog training's my hobby. Um, cool. but I'm obviously level one. Uh, how do I learn? Is, do you have resources where I can learn? To, I would like to eventually, ultimately years from now, be able to help out a shelter is like where I'm going with this. Amazing. Yeah. How, how do? <laughs> um, well, I think you're already doing good. I, I think you're far past a level one as far as the general, like, you know, the pet owner or dog owner, just knowledge is power. And I think having uh, ability to look at things um, very fairly and take it with a grain of salt. Um, there's subjective and objective things in everything in, in life that we do. And I think that's the first thing to know is like when somebody goes off the deep end of like never, 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 and always, always, always. And it's like, you know, you're already, you're already doing these. You're already consulting with multiple different people. I'm sure with multiple different backgrounds, with different policies and things like that. And, and, and I, I, I think that that's like the best thing to start doing is to just get as much knowledge as you can and try to figure out like, and that's the thing too, is you know, people are just like politics, you know, um, whether politics are good or bad. I think it's just like how you feel and your beliefs and what makes sense to you. And that doesn't mean that you go out and say like, everyone should think like this. That just means like, this is how I'm, this is how my DNA is. This is how I'm, this is how I am as a human. I'm not going to go around and tell everybody they're wrong. And this is how I'm going to prove you wrong. It's really about, cause I find that that's what happens with a lot of young dog trainers or a lot of people who are trying to get into this as, you know, somebody that has more knowledge that just wants to donate their time to help they get caught up in that of like what who are you going to be and you shouldn't have to identify like that i think it should just be like hey i'm just a person with a lot of knowledge on things that work and things that don't work and that's that's how i am like that's exactly how i work with dogs that's exactly how i got into dog training is i figured out what works and what doesn't and but i also to be fair i also have a very particular niche clientele. Um, I'm not dealing with puppies. I'm not dealing with dogs who don't have problems. I'm not dealing with dogs who are literally like the most well-trained dog in the world naturally because they could just care less. I'm dealing with dogs who have problems, I'm dealing with behavioral cases. I'm dealing with dog owners who want to get better. I'm dealing with dog owners who are going out into uh, real life trails and having issues and whatever. So like my training and the tools that I'm using and my analogies and my style is 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 geared a certain way because it's what it's what I know works for my dogs. Uh, the other thing is just volunteering your time is another great way to get experience because again, like I I was a dog walker professionally for many years. I had my hands on hundreds of dogs ever before I opened up training. I was an animal control officer working in and out of shelters. I saw what worked and I saw what does not work. And it wasn't like this party of I'm going to go this route or this route. I literally spent years working with hundreds of dogs and clients way before I had any idea about training. I just knew the clients I went to that I was going to dread going to because yeah. of my ability to, to work with them under a certain capacity and then others not. And so that really like opened up where I'm at now and it, 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 it speed ramped my, my abilities, right? I wasn't like pondering and I'm always open to new things and I'm always open to conversation. But I mean, I, I just know through experience, like this is the, this is what works for my dogs and my, my type of 
clients. So volunteering at shelters, um, working part-time or full-time at, you know, it depends on how in-depth you want to get into it. But, and then education goes, like a lot of people ask me what books I read and, and I'm, I really learned so much better with hands-on. Uh, I also like, that's why I love the platform of YouTube because I love watching creators on YouTube because I learned so much. Like if I, if a YouTube creator like put out a video on something or wrote a book, I would watch the video because I'm just, I'm a visual learner. I need to see people watch. Like you said, like earlier, I'm like, do you want to talk on the phone or do you want to talk in person? You're like, I, it would be <laughs> so much better for this conversation to talk in person because you can see smiles and you can see hands and you can see things and that's how I am. And so yeah. I don't have a ton of book recommendations to get into, although I'm sure they're great out there. I'm sure that um, you'd probably do really well with reading those books. I know that um, I, a lot of my clients really like the Monks of Nuskeet books. Um, monks of Nuskeet. So there's a monastery here in upstate New York um, called um, Nuskeet. And uh, the Monks of Nuskeet, they make cheesecake <laughs> and they train German shepherds and breed German shepherds for pet homes. Yeah, but they also have wrote books. I'm almost positive they they had an Animal Planet show back in the 90s. Um, but they've written several books that I know that my clients have uh, really enjoyed. I have met them, and I think they're they're monks. I think they're pretty good people. Um, they're 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 good. So that's a book recommendation. And then I cut my teeth on early Learberg videos, um, watched a lot of Michael Ellis videos on the Learberg sites, which you can pick up for free on, uh, YouTube. That's really where I got my, my licks of traditional analogies and terminologies, even though today they're still, what's that? What was his name? Michael Ellis. Yeah. I think you'd really enjoy him. He's also, I think, um, there's just a handful of trainers that I, I learned from um, that I appreciate, like how they do things and they're in it for the dog training and nothing else. And he's one of those individuals. Um, he's just great at, uh, he's just a downer. Like, I don't know. I try to be like, you know, try to be like Mike as far as like a dog trainer goes. Like he's just a down the earth, really cool guy uh, that also just has so much uh, natural, like, information about dogs and the way he puts it out is very uh it's 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 not for everybody because it's very um it could be very overwhelming because there's a lot of like it's in depth it's like phd level stuff um dog (laughs) yeah dog owners typically like can't really follow up with it too much because it's just too too involved with terminology and things but somebody like yourself who's already done the research and you know, you seem pretty intelligent and you you'd be able to figure it out pretty quickly he's great um if you wanted to get into more competitive obedience work and getting more into flashy obedience my friend force mickey has a, a great deal of content out he is the best i've seen uh with with competitive obedience and making dogs look um just really uh, having a good time with motivation and learning um, how to create a better bond uh, via obedience. Um, He's amazing. He's got a lot of old stuff. He's got a lot of new stuff. He does like competitive healing toolboxes and he's, um, he's just great in the way that he breaks down information is also very digestible for uh, somebody like yourself. Um, You know, having that type of breed and working on these things, it's maybe something you thought about so he's great with that um 
And outside of that, like I said, I, I, I'm really careful about who I recommend to people only because I don't know people that well. You know, I don't want to say like, oh, go go watch this girl or this guy. And then in two months, they end up, you know, being a scumbag. Uh, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah. I, so it's not that I don't watch other people's content, but because I know, I know fairly uh, as a content creator myself and meeting people in the space and meeting other people in different avenues, I know people are different from what they are on camera and where they are in person. And so that's why I don't recommend like a bunch of things because I don't watch too much of that because I know that a lot of it is a facade. Um, and um, and so so I've met, you know, these individuals and sat down and broke bread and had glasses of wine with them and watched them actually work and their masters at their craft. So those are my two like big recommendations as far as like where you're kind of going with your, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, magic. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, sorry, we've gone over, so I'll stop. But thank you, that's perfect. No, yeah, you're good. <laughs> okay, great. Well, it was, it was so nice to meet you, and uh, good luck with everything. Awesome. And like I said, if you just Google those guys on YouTube, you'll get a vibe for for how they. It was Forrest, Forrest Mickey was the second one. Yeah, and the second sure. one is Michael Ellis. Yeah, and Michael Ellis. Okay. Yeah, so if you just YouTube them tonight or tomorrow or whatever, and you have time, just spend a little bit of time, kind of figure. In the, you know, that's the thing is like. When you're looking for information, I feel like so many people are trying to be one size fit all. Like you have to, you know, some people even on my channel will comment and say like something. I'm like, this isn't for you. Just move on, you know? So yeah. just get a vibe for them. And, and I think you'll like them a lot, I personally. And if you do, uh, they, they have courses and things that you can buy that gives you a little bit more in-depth, you know, stuff. Yeah, I've become a little obsessed with signing up for classes. <laughs> then yeah, you you'll really like. Yeah, you'll really. Yeah, that's great. You'll really like those two guys. They're very um, academically like studious. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, you'll like them a lot. Okay, killer. Oh, yeah. thank you so much. And I feel better about her initial situation. So thank you for that too. You're welcome. We will. Yeah. work on her boundaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, and um in that course too just just a side note in the uh, yeah. e-collar course uh, we go over the difference between remote collar introduction via stimulation and conditioning versus like uh, pager and correction. So that's going to be big for you when you're talking about like how do you correct her for you know cuz cuz like my e-collars have like a pager which is a vibrate and um, so you don't have to worry about the dog feeling like they've been bitten or anything. It's just a vibrate. and But it's a, it's aversive enough to stop a dog in their tracks. So if you call your dog off of a play that's turning too rough that you can see going down a certain path, the pager is like a really quick leave it, no, whatever your verbal is. And then you can enforce it with the pager, which is a vibrate. Um, yeah. I use it for both. I can use it for corrective and. It depends on your, it depends on two things. It depends on your collar. Cause some, some e-collars are like. Your collar. It's, it's your, a, not the R. The other one. Two, yeah. Yeah. The one with your name on it. Yeah. That's the collar again. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. That, that's a really, really intense pager. I wouldn't use that too much for obedience if at all. Oh no, I wouldn't use it for obedience. I more mean the collar itself. Can I introduce it as like an obedience thing and then use it for oh, corrective yeah. pager when that comes up? Yeah, that's what I was saying is the course goes over that in depth about... Oh, it does? Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. okay. That's what I was just saying. As I was just letting you know that the course okay. goes over the difference between the two and when to when to install uh, 
a fair correction from the pager. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I should not have cut you off. <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. You're good. You're good. I just wanted to let you know because I know that that was that that could be really helpful um, as you're handing the equipment off to your you know your brother or whatever to say hey if she gets out of line or she goes overboard yeah. hit the pager you know so yeah okay very oh, cool okay. it's a pleasure meeting you so so much it was nice to meet you yeah likewise Happy you too <laughs> cheers bye well that was a good one wasn't it guys i absolutely loved talking to her and about her dog and it's just lovely so thank you guys so much and we're going to get right into the questions i'm going to get right into it jen g hodkin new jersey new rescue hound pup question five-star review this podcast changed my whole dog walking dynamic I was being pulled down the block with my new rescue puppy and, and it, who is a big energetic hound with a simple change of equipment and understanding on how to give corrections. I can enjoy walking him. I'd love to call in to ask to train him to, to sleep in my dog bed versus my, I'd love to ask how to train him to sleep in a dog bed versus my bed. And he's very cuddly, but now it's way too much. Uh, with my other pup, and my parents doodle, LOL. How do I call into the podcast or can you address the question on all the dogs wanting to sleep in bed no aggression but way too much dog and not enough room it's a good question um and this is our call-ins so because i record this on on my client schedule um but but the beauty is is you guys you guys are hearing this now is we are recording live from um, our our studio at the Upstate Canine Academy with my staff shortly. We're going to be posting on Instagram when we're going to go live where you can actually call in and and ask us questions or ask us questions live. And that's coming up. Uh, By the end of December, we're going to be doing that. I'm really excited about that. But uh, I answered this question a couple times ago, but essentially you just get your dog off your bed. I, 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 I don't know how else to tell you. You just get them off and do not let them on. <laughs> the crate is really helpful. But um, again, like something that you've taught your dog to do. Hey, I want you to I want you to be, you know, uh, on this bed, this big comfy bed with me and get all the love and cuddles and sleep next to me. Okay, now I want you off. You've kind of created that. So it's going to also take you just as much time to counter that. So sorry, but there's really no other. Your dog jumps in the bed. You don't want him on the bed. Get him off the bed. <laughs> no bad dog is just turning uh so this is the next question toa 58 five-star review i've been fostering a four-year-old beautiful sweet friendly pit bull since may of this year i fell in love with her and her with me and i'd love for her i'd love to be here forever home she gets along with my family friends and cats she adores my autistic grandson and she's very well behaved the problem is, is she's incredibly strong and super reactive to other dogs i am 64 years old i've never trained a dog do not have a fencing yard and know that if she really wanted to get away from me, I'm not strong enough to hold her back. I can't take the chance she'll hurt another dog herself. I've hired trainers, subscribed to the podcast and podcast and purchased training modules. Nothing helped me until the no bad dogs. The emphasis on the owner needing to be out of be the one trained in the relationship between the dog and finally makes sense. I listen to the podcast when we are driving and I watch the YouTube at home and then practice with her as I learn. I'm not Air quotes, there yet, but I have a long way to go, but I'm learning. My hope is that I'll eventually feel confident with Take the Pup Out for uh, a walk. Thank you, Tom. P.S. I highly recommend the No Bad Dog Members Club. First, I thought that the $39 membership a month was too expensive, but I've learned already this week that through the resources available that I've learned uh, from $100 a week of trainers. Perspective is everything. Wow. So this is just an amazing review, and I don't know this. I'm going as I go. So, um Great. Thank you so much for that review. I'm so happy that the Members Club is valuable to you. If you guys don't know about the Members Club, you literally pay $39.99 a month and you have access to all of my uncut videos that you see on YouTube. They're 15 minutes uh, 
on YouTube, 10, 15 minutes. And then uh, in the members club, they're an hour, two hours. You're getting all of that. Plus, you're getting access to my private trainers. The trainers that, yes, work with me alongside with me almost every day at the Upstate Canyon Academy. You can answer them, ask them questions every day about your dog. It's literally like $39.99 to get training that people pay thousands of dollars for. No brainer. Click the link below <laughs> if you guys are interested. Next one. Maggie's Murfels. Maggie Murfels. That's a weird question for the podcast. I have a 16-week-old male Doberman Pinscher Golden Retriever mix. We cannot figure out how to have a successful walk. He's very neurotic and always is aware of everything going around him. I live in a very populated area, so there's a ton of activity. He gets anxious on walks, and he flips out. Some of his triggers have been a lot of traffic, a person he can't meet, and a dog barking inside a house. He just suddenly stops, then stares, running in circles, trying to get out of his leash, screaming and thrashing along, biting the leash. I'm interested to see what equipment you're using because this could be the trigger. When the, when I happen to pick him up and carry him home because I'm so scared to getting away and hurting himself, which I understand, when I pick him up, he calms down and lets me carry him home. At 16 weeks, he's already 40 pounds. I don't want to be able to do this much longer. I know that it's something on my end and the leash needs to be solved. Um, I can only run up and down the yard so many times. He has a slip lead. I bring kibble and try to break him to decompress. I'm just out of resources. I would switch to a plastic pinch collar. Uh, get the small version. You can get them on Chewy. You can get them on Amazon. It's called a Starmark training collar. Get the small with a chihuahua on the front. Get two of them. Piece them together. Get a safety clip from my website, which is also linked below. You can buy all my merch and equipment. And uh, you're just going to have to do some drawback recalls. So as he starts to freak out, calm him down. Hey, your obedience is going to have him be calmer. Do this instead. Hey, come. Good. Come. Good. Put him into a sit. Good. Use your obedience to anchor him. Make sure you have a heel and make sure you have a break. Making sure that your dog understands that you are the the nucleus of your walk and you are the actual like only thing that matters is very important. But if you go out and your dog isn't engaged with you, we just put out a video today from uh, California when we were on tour. And it it's labeled, um, the dog's owner died, now he needs help training. And we'd worked on engagement. I would highly recommend you check that out. I think it's, I think it's uh, going to be right up your alley. So, all right, you guys. Uh, we're going to get into some reviews. Uh, we're going to get into some negative reviews from people uh, in a couple, couple uh, episodes once we get up there. But anyway, you guys support the channel. I do this absolutely for free. Um, you know, if this if this has done anything for you, I know that you're listening. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of people listening. I'd really like to get to a thousand reviews. Um, we're at 700 right now. If you guys are listening and this is helpful, do us a solid. Go over and just smash the review chart for us. Keep helping us climb those charts. Thank you guys. I'll talk to you next time. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.